Hello, and welcome to this episode of Amplified, Autistics in Conversation with Reframing Autism. I'm Ginny Grant, an autistic advocate, a writer, and Reframing Autism's communications manager, and I am the host of this podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be chatting with young autistic advocate, Shadia Hancock. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Reframing Autism extends our gratitude and respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and to all Elders past, present and emerging for their wisdom, their resilience and for helping this country to heal. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. For those of you who are new to this podcast series, Reframing Autism is an Australian-based not-for-profit organisation which is run by and for autistic people and their families and allies. It is dedicated to creating a world in which the autistic community is supported to achieve acceptance, inclusion and active citizenship. And we are all about nurturing and celebrating autistic identity. Welcome to Amplified, Shadia. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much, Reframing Autism, for having me. I love your podcasts. Um, I'm an autistic speech pathology student, I, currently in my bachelor degree. Um, I am 21 years of age, and I am very interested in autism advocacy. Um, animals are a big interest area of mine and I'm very keen on merging my love of animals uh, with therapy work such as animal assisted therapy and increasingly interested in following the research surrounding alternative and augmentative communication or AAC and language development in neurodivergent people. Great thanks for that Shadia. So let's start with your autism journey. Could you tell us a bit about when and how you learned you're autistic? I kind of figured it out at about the age of eight. Um, I went to a primary school where there was quite a few neurodivergent students. So most of my friends were neurodivergent and we had an IT club specifically set up for us um, to hang out and socialise, which was wonderful because I really didn't like the playground settings, particularly as I got older. Um, and I think I remember... Uh, seeing a poster that said autism or meltdowns and um, the word just stuck in my head and I went home to my mother and asked her are my friends autistic and she said yes and then I connected the dots and asked am I autistic and so I guess from there we have very open discussions about what it meant to be autistic and and we shared resources and books and I was connected in with mentors who were autistic as well um, so it really fostered this sense of a, a positive identity and really helped me a lot when I got to high school. That's wonderful. How have you connected with the autistic community? Um, my mum's been a huge part of helping me actually through facilitating connections within the autistic community, particularly when I was younger. So when I was 13 years of age, I actually connected with some of the fantastic people from the ICANN network 
and um, some of the researchers who are now working in Aspect and those sorts of organisations. Um, and they really helped me realise that I wasn't alone. Um, at the time, I was being bullied a lot. And so it was really difficult for me to think that uh, what I was sort of not deficient. Um, but then seeing these older adults talk openly about what being autistic is like for them and seeing how they've made it a huge part of their advocacy made me realise that there's a whole community waiting for me out there and that I am not alone. Um, and so that was really important for my self-esteem growing up um, and realising that I'm not deficient, I'm just different. So how did your interest in autistic advocacy develop? Um, I greatly admired my autistic mentors, a lot of whom, a few of them I still connect with today, which is very lovely. And they really encouraged me down the path of advocacy. And it started in small steps. So um, my mother asked me at some stage when I was having some issues within the classroom to write a letter to my teachers explaining to me why that was an issue for me and what sort of things might help. And I ended up writing this quite detailed profile of myself explaining who I was and what autism means to me. Um, and afterwards, I got requests from teachers to hear more about my experiences um, and some of my teachers just coming up to me and said, I had no idea that all of these things were happening for you and now I understand a lot more. And so my mum and I and a friend of mine who was also a speaker at the time, um, we presented to my school teachers on autism. And, and after that, my entrepreneurship teacher came up to me and said, I think you can turn this into a business. I think you can advocate and spread the word to more schools and organisations. And it's really grown from there. And I'm so grateful to be able to connect with so many advocates across the world from a wide variety of diversities. And I'm just learning so much and, and having been connected with organisations like Reframing Autism has been a really huge part of my advocacy journey. And I'm very grateful. I love that. So in terms of the advocacy work that you've done, I know you've done quite a lot. What are you most proud of? Well, that's a tough one. I am very proud of a lot of what I've done. Um, I guess my biggest milestone was being able to travel to Singapore to present at the Asia-Pacific Autism Conference in 2019. Um, as many of our autistic audience members know, for, for many of us, travel is a really, really difficult thing. Um, and the last time I travelled overseas was when I was eight years of age. So there's quite a lot of planning involved. And um, so it wasn't even just speaking there was actually being able to accomplish going to a conference and I met a lot of advocates and reconnected with many autistic advocates that I've been following over the years and uh, you know just being able to present on my biggest passions was a great privilege um, and it was just it, it really helped with my own confidence and um, just made me really excited about the future that we're now looking at international collaboration opportunities. What do you hope to accomplish through, through your advocacy work? Um, I'm hoping that uh, through talking about my own experiences and uh, I try my best as well to amplify the voices of other autistic people from different intersectionalities and um, communication styles, I really want to get across that we autism is such a diverse difference and the best thing that you can do to learn about autism is to listen to autistic people 
And so I'm very passionate about amplifying the importance of autistic voice within allied health, within education and across the board. Um, and I'm hoping that being able to um, become a speech pathologist and merge these my lived experience with professional experience that this will create opportunities to start more discussions around this. Um, so I, I, I tend to, um, I just love learning a lot from other autistic people. Um, uh, Listen to Damon's podcast and absolutely loved hearing from him. And um, I think being part of the community is the big, big uh, sort of emphasis here because we we're all in this together. Um, and I think that's, really important uh, that we all try our best to support each other in in awareness building so I, I'm hoping that that will help you know one or even if it helps just one autistic person out there know that they're not alone that there are people like them out there and that you will find your your people your network um and I I have so yeah, yeah absolutely so you mentioned that you're currently undertaking a degree in speech pathology can you tell us a bit about how you've navigated your studies so far, including any barriers that you might have faced? So I did a lot of um, research prior to studying, um, mainly around what disability supports were provided in the different courses that I was considering, as well as the particular institutions that I was studying at. So that started around year 10. So I went to a lot of campuses and, and open days and spoke to the coordinators um, who ran those courses um, and so there was a lot of pre-planning involved and I think that this helped a lot with, you know, being able to prepare before uni started, um, like being able to develop an education inclusion plan that clearly stated what supports I would require um, and not just things like extensions but even the fact that I need to take breaks in class that I might be using sim toys or other things to be able to regulate myself and noise-cancelling headphones um, so I guess from that perspective, it's been really helpful. Um, and I, I do feel that um, my strengths with being able to analyse and research to a high amount of detail has been an asset in this course, um, particularly as it's tied into many of my interests. Um, I guess some of the barriers I've faced, I think a lot of autistic people relate to is group work, um, specifically group presentations and um, group studies. Um, I find it very difficult to be able to relate to people I don't know very well, um, particularly if our communication styles are different um, and even what our priorities are for the, for the task at hand. Um, and this has been a frustrating aspect of my education ever since primary school. So um, I think at times it's been a bit of a, a sort of difficulty in disclosing, you know, the fact that I do experience barriers with this, but that I still want to collaborate with people. It's just that my different communication style means that there will need to be adjustments made. So whether that's just pair work as opposed to group work or being able to pre-assign groups, for example, um, those have all been helpful things and being able to do individual study when necessary. Um, I think another thing that I found very interesting is the whole process of disclosure because, you know, research has also shown that many of us autistic tertiary students don't disclose our diagnosis. Um, on the one hand, I think it can be really helpful for lecturers to know, um, you know, that you do have a disability and that you do require certain supports. 
But then on the other hand, it also relies on the knowledge and understanding of the person who you disclose to. Um, and I've definitely had mixed experiences with that. So I think it's really enlightened me about how we can possibly make educational institutions more accessible for autistic students. And I'm hoping that we can have more conversations about these issues going forward, particularly given the high numbers of school issues uh, in young autistic people and um, the fact that many of us don't go on to tertiary education or further education. Do you have any advice for young autistic people who are considering tertiary studies? I think... Um, one of the biggest um, priorities for me when I was looking is uh, what their disability advisory um, options were, how much they had supports put in place for those sorts of issues. Being able to visit campus, I think, was really important, getting to know the environment and where you would be studying. Um, for me, being able to choose a smaller campus was really helpful because uh, I find it very difficult to remember where to go. And if I was on a big campus, I was very worried that I'd lo lose track of things. Um, so having a structured small campus was really important. Um, and also, I think being able to consider what study load you'd like. So some courses do offer part-time loads. Um, and I think that's a good, good discussion to have early on in the piece. Um, and even being able to sit in on a few classes even prior to studying there, seeing what the lecturers are like, um, you know, the, the way that they're presenting information and, and having a very clear picture of, you know, whether that course is going to be the right fit for you. Another thing I found really helpful is connecting in with either current autistic students and alumni and researchers who might be at the university who are autistic. Um, I know that there are some very uh, exciting developments where autistic researchers are now developing neurodiversity projects within the universities um, and focus groups, for example, to help increase accessibility and understanding of autism. So I'd be really trying to find those connections um, and even trying to find a mentor within the field that you or the career that you wish to go into. So, for example, I've got a mentor in speech pathology and a community of autistic speech pathologists that I keep in touch with um, to just learn about their experiences. And they've been there and done that, so they, they can help me as a student navigate it as well. That's really great advice. Can you tell us a bit about your future career aspirations? Well, um, I'm hoping to be able to go into further research and possibly do a PhD. Um, I'm very interested in um, language development specifically. Um, it's very interesting given that gestalt language development um, is now seen as a normal part of language development in not only autistic and neurodivergent people, but all, all learners. Um, and it is something that I don't think is focused enough on enough in, you know, speech pathology courses. Um, and so I'm really interested in how that might interact, for example, with um, AAC and, um, you know, AAC devices and, and systems. Um, so I, I am very interested in, in that researching, you know, ways of supporting AAC learners as well as, um, you know, listening to non-speaking advocates like Tim Chan, for example, um, I'm grateful to know him. Um, it's made me realise that there seems to be a large motor component um, that comes along with a AAC users and non-speaking people. And I think um, this is an area of research that really needs a bit more of a focus on. Um, 
And of course, merging my love of animals through animal assisted therapy. So I'm hoping eventually to have canine assisted therapy and equine assisted therapy offered um, through my speech pathology services. So that's sort of where I'm hoping to go. Um, lots of ideas there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm very excited for the future. There's some very, the, the, the neurodiversity movement's really taking off now and it's um you know, really wonderful to see how much things seem to be changing even within the space of a few years. Thank you so much, Shadia, and thanks to our audience for listening to this episode of Amplified. Please do listen in next time. If you're not already part of our social media communities, please join us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter and YouTube. We also have a website, www.amplified.com reframingautism.org.au, which has a treasure trove of autistic-created resources. Thank you.